have an incredible staff here at our Port Clinton campus, and Becky leads the charge with our kids' ministry, and uh, it's so exciting to see what's happening in the lives of children and in students, and we all get to play a part in that. And uh, we hope that we all catch that vision over the next month and uh, take a next step. Uh, so I want to let you know, before we dive into the truth of God's Word, a couple other special next steps that maybe uh, are ready for you, that you are ready for. And one of those next steps is baptism. Uh, baptism is for those that have given their life to Jesus and want to kind of let others know that they've made that decision, that they, that they go public with their faith. And we are going to be having a very special baptism celebration in the month of November, actually November uh, 19th and 20th. But in order to prepare for that, we have a special baptism information class that's going to happen next weekend right after each of the services. I'll be here. We'll take some time just to talk through what is baptism, why baptism, um, and that way you can know, is this my next step? But if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized, I really want to challenge you, encourage you to come and to learn more and to consider that as your next step. Uh, we will be having a special class that's separate for uh, kids and middle school students, and that'll happen uh, early in November, and we'll let you know about that, and your kids' ministries and student ministries, they'll let you know about that. But this is specifically a class for high school and above, and that's happening next weekend, so we hope that you'll consider that, all right? Jesus calls us uh, to go and to baptize others, and maybe your next step is taking that step, all right? The other thing that we want to let you know about is this Thursday, a very special kind of first public opportunity um, to come and be a part of PAUSE. PAUSE is a monthly gathering that we're starting here right at the Port Clinton campus uh, on the third Thursday of the month from 11.30 to 1.30, just over the lunch hour. It's come and go. It's not a, it's not a scheduled, routine thing. There's not a program. The program is you. It's you pausing from our busy, crazy lives for five minutes, for 15 minutes, for a half hour, for an hour, for an hour and a half, however long you want to stay. And the, the worship center will be open. Some music will be playing. We'll have a prayer guide to help center some of those prayers. Uh, you can sit. You can stand. You can kneel. You can lay down. You can walk around the room. It's just an open time to come and pause and to be in a holy space to meet with Jesus and to pray and to seek his face and see what he wants to reveal in our lives. And so that is happening this Thursday, 1130 to 1.30. There's a little banner out in the atrium that you'll see that will hopefully be a reminder each month. Uh, the Sunday before, you'll know that it's coming, but we want to invite you to come and be a part of PAUSE this Thursday, all right? Well, we're going to jump into God's Word this weekend, and we want to start, even though we're in the series in the book of Acts, it really, uh, chapters 23, 24, 25 really focus on the Apostle Paul and some of the, the difficulties and hardships that he was going through. And Paul wrote another book, the book to the Romans, and, and then in this letter, he says something that is so profound and I want us to camp out in this for a little while together this morning. These are Paul's words to the Romans. And just think about Paul going through all that he was going through in the book of Acts. And he writes these words, We can rejoice too 
when we run into many problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, he says, will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, I read, I don't know about you, I read that first phrase, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. And I think, can we? (laughs) Can we really? I mean, when Paul writes that, it, it sounds like, you know, he's a few crayons short in the box. <laughs> like, Paul, what are you, we can rejoice. Like, you're getting excited. You're saying you can find joy in problems and trials. And, and Paul, he was, he was in chapter 25 of the book of Acts. I mean, he's been in prison for two years. He is very possibly facing death. And yet these are the kinds of things that Paul said. These are the kinds of things that I believe that the Apostle Paul lived out. I think about uh, over the course of now 26 years, I've been in full-time ministry. And I think of the privilege and then the responsibility that I've had over these years coming alongside, walking with people in the midst of horrendous pain of difficulty, of problems and trials. And I think about in my own life what we've been going through with our son. And and we get it at a whole new level. And when I'm walking with people, real people, that are going through heavy, difficult times, there's some questions that seem to, to oftentimes come out of their mouths, rise out of their hearts, come from the deepest places of my soul as well. Questions like, why is God doing this to me? You ever wondered that? You ever felt like that? Or lately I've been wondering, God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? Or are questions like, I really believe God would heal me, but he hasn't. Or what if I haven't done enough? And God's angry with me. Or, or what if I'm angry with God? So then in the midst of those kinds of real hardships and problems, even in the face of death and loss, is joy really possible? That's what the Apostle Paul said. I know he said it. But I want to know, is it real? Is that really possible? Because a lot of us in the room, we're going through trials, or if we haven't, we will. And is it, I mean, I know it's possible to get through them, like we're getting through them, I guess. But is it possible to have joy, like Paul says, in the midst of trials. Well, Paul is on trial. It's Acts chapter 25 is kind of uh, where we're landing this weekend. And honestly, we're going to spend the majority of our time looking at what he wrote to the Romans in chapter 5 because I think it applies. I think we can make some assumptions 
from what Paul would later say to the Romans. It says three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, he left for Jerusalem. Verse 2, where the leading priests and the other Jewish leaders met with him and they made their accusations against Paul. So Festus is the new governor in Caesarea, and he inherits a problem left over from the previous governor, and that problem is what to do with the Apostle Paul. We know from last weekend's message in chapter 23 and 24, Paul's been wrongly accused. In fact, the previous governor, Felix, didn't even really think that there was anything wrong. He thought probably he was innocent, and yet He was a people pleaser too, and he didn't quite know what to do with Paul. And so he just puts him in jail and looks for a reason to keep him there. And now this new governor, Festus, has taken over and just inherits Paul as his problem. What's more, it says in verse 3, they, that is the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, they asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem. And look at this, planning to ambush and kill him on the way. They probably were planning this because they knew that if he went to trial, they didn't have enough evidence to keep him in jail. And so there's a plot to take Paul out, and not out on a date, not out for coffee, to take him out, period. And yet Paul could write things like, we can have joy when we run into many problems and trials. So is joy really possible? Maybe I should just ask you, because I, I, I read the, 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 the connect cards and the prayer requests that come in and sometimes get text messages or phone calls or emails. And I tell you, it's overwhelming, like the, the things going on in people's lives. People that have lost jobs after they've been there for 20 years. People that um, are facing cancer for the first time and just got the news. People that are facing cancer yet again. People that are, are being rocked by addiction or the loss of someone that they love because of addiction. Is it possible to have joy in the midst of all that? Last week, we looked at how, how the Apostle Paul uh, kept the faith... He was faithful to Jesus amidst difficulty, but this weekend we look at beyond just having faith and, you know, staying the course and not giving up, can we experience real joy in the midst of it all? So I want to make three assumptions from uh, Romans chapter 5 because, and they're assumptions because this isn't specifically necessarily tied to Acts chapter Uh, 25, and yet what we know about the life of Paul, in fact, even in the book of Acts, Paul, previously, he's in jail with Silas, and what happens in jail? They're praying and praising God and singing. So joy, at least for Paul, must have been possible in the midst of trials, and so I want us to make three assumptions from what he wrote to the Romans, and the first assumption is this, that joy comes when we accept reality. Joy comes when we accept reality. Look back with me again at Romans chapter 5. Here's what Paul says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Paul didn't say, hey, we can rejoice too because problems and trials, they aren't real. They don't really exist. You know what? Just by faith, you just need to ignore them and not give them any power in your life. 
He said we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. You don't run into something that is not there. Am I right? I don't know about you, you know, um, just recently we had some people over at our house and we were praying and, and a few people that um, are more loosely connected with our family, but they, they're people of prayer and faith and, and, and we're just desperate to get Carter some help. And I remember we were, we were praying and man, it felt like God was really working. And then somebody spoke up and they said, now listen, if it, in a few days or in a week you start to see some of the symptoms ba- come back, you don't, you know, you know, you don't, you don't admit that. You, you just, you ignore that because by faith. And I struggled with that because honestly, I'm like, I'm sorry, I, like, we're living this. This is not a joke. This is real. And when we see symptoms in our son come back or when you're when you when you think you're free of the cancer but then the markers start to jump up again or 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 you you get an x-ray and there's this there's this shadow there's this spot i'm sorry but that's not something you can just pray away something that you can just go well you know ignore and yet that's the world we live in we want to ignore pain and problems don't we it's why we escape it's why we just buy things to kind of you know fill our fill the void or the or the worry in our life or it's why we you know drink too much or eat too much or buy too much or because we're all trying to escape reality and i want to tell you real faith is not an escape from reality real faith means we accept reality Now, the truth is, though, and this is what I'm so grateful for, God is not limited to my or your reality. You see, to to experience joy, yes, we have to accept the reality of pain and problems, but we also have to accept the reality of the presence and promises of God because those two are just as real. And you guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where, I mean, it gets real. Like if, if we're going to be people of faith, we have to accept both realities. And sometimes that's how it feels in life. I've, I have to imagine when Paul was in jail and then he's back on trial yet again and there's this plot out to take his life. I have to think... There were, Paul was thinking, holy smokes, how can this be? This is unfair. This is not right. But I have to also believe that Paul was saying, but God is faithful. God loves me. God's with me. When he writes to the Romans, look at verse 5. He says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's a promise. He was holding on to the promises and the presence of of God. That too is a reality. The reality, like Jesus said, hey, he, Jesus didn't mix words. He said, yes. In fact, I can promise it. Here on this earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Anybody that comes along and says, you know, the, the journey of faith, the journey as a Christ follower is just pie in the sky and, and uh, just God's blessing all over your life forever and ever. They are not being truthful with you. They're not even being truthful and faithful to Jesus' own words right here. And yet, here's the promise. He says, the promise is you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but the promise also says, but take heart, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. 
It says whatever our problems is, Jesus is bigger than those problems. And, and, and just as real as the pain and the sorrows and the hardships are, just that real is the very presence and promises of Jesus to us. Think about what Isaiah the prophet says, don't be afraid for I am with you. The promise of God is that he'll be with me, with you, in the cancer, in the loss, in the financial ruin, in the addiction. He says, I'll I'll be with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God, he says. I will strengthen you. I will help you. It doesn't say, I'll rescue you from it. It doesn't say, I won't let anything hurt you or damage you or touch you. He says, but I'll strengthen you. I'll be with you. I'll help you. I will hold you up by my victorious right hand. I tell you what we're experiencing in our our problems and our trials right now with, with our son. It seems like it's getting better and then it gets worse again. And God hasn't healed Carter completely. That's a reality. But what we are experiencing is God strengthening us. It's God helping us. It's God holding us up with his righteous right hand. Just as real as the loss and the pain and sickness and sorrows, just as real is the presence of God and the power of God. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles, although they don't feel light at the moment, do they? They never do. They don't feel momentary in the moment either, do they? They feel like forever. (laughs) But he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Wow. The promise of God in the midst of the pain and the problems is that it's, it's preparing us for something, that it's, it, it means something. And that in comparison, what we are going to experience someday in eternity in the face of Jesus, all of this, as heavy, as hard as it may be or feel, it will be nothing compared to the presence of Jesus. Assumption number one is that joy comes when we accept reality. The reality of the pain and problems, but also the reality of the promises and presence of Jesus. But the assumption number two is that joy comes when we accept the possibilities. Joy comes when we accept the possibilities. Look at what was going on, uh, what Paul said could go on in the midst of pain and problems. He says this, these trials, they'll produce endurance. Verse four, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. What, is, what was Paul saying? He was saying, in the midst of pain and problems and trials, God can do something. There is a possibility of God doing something in us, in you, in me. That's why I'm asking the question, God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want to do in me in this? What do you want to do in Carter in this? It's why when we face cancer or there's a horrible loss in our family, we we ought to be saying, God, what is it that you want to teach me? What is it that you want to do in me? There's a purpose to the pain. God wants to shape something. He wants to build something, character, endurance, strength, faith. And we often won't learn those things 
without problems and pain. But it's not just that uh, the, the possibilities are for something that God wants to do in us. I think Paul knew that when we're going through problems and trials, it creates possibilities for God to do not just something in us, but for God to do something through us. This verse, I, I, it never you know, grabbed my attention that much. It's Acts chapter 25, verse 10, and you know the Jewish leaders, they're wanting uh, the new governor to send Paul uh, to Jerusalem, and Paul says, no, this is an official Roman court, so I ought to be tried here. Paul, Paul knew that as a Roman citizen, he had the rights as a Roman citizen, and he also wanted to go to Rome. In fact, we know that from Romans chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, he says, God willing to come and see you at last. Paul, I mean, he's there before this new governor, and he's begging to go to Rome, and part of it is, I think, because he knew that there was possibilities. He wanted to go to Rome anyway. I mean, it's, it's almost like Paul recognized, you know what? Hey, I just know I want to get there. In fact, he wanted to go there to encourage and build up the believers, and he wanted to go there to share the truth of Jesus with other people. And Paul had come to a place of surrender, like we just sang about, a place of surrender that said, you know what? I want to go there, and even if the way that I go there is in chains, even if the way that I get there is that I have to go on a trial, I'll still be going. We've got to accept, if we want to find joy, we have to accept not just the, the reality of our pain and problems, we've got to accept the possibilities. The possibilities of what God wants to do in us, but also what God wants to do through us. And you know what, when we come to the end of the book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 31, and we'll be there in just three more weeks, it says, and no one tried to stop him. That is the Apostle Paul. Like, God opened up more and more opportunity for the Apostle Paul. And our trials, our hardships, our pain, our problems, they are real, you guys. But they're also opportunities. And we'll only find joy when we look for the opportunities. Joy comes when we accept reality. Joy comes when we accept the possibilities. And finally, I think what Paul would say is joy comes when we trust in the love of God. That's how he ends this powerful, well-known passage, Romans 5, 3 to 5. Verse 5, it says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. He says, we, I mean, at the beginning, he, again, he's saying, we can rejoice. I know it sounds crazy, guys. It sounds crazy to rejoice in, in trials and problems, but Paul gives us a reason why we can still have joy in the midst of those. He says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We have to trust in the love of God. If we're going to find, man, we're not going to find joy in the trials and in the sorrows. We're going to find joy in the one who's with us and loves us in the midst of the trials and the sorrows.
It's being more and more convinced of the love of God. I love the way that David put it, the psalmist. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He loves me. I I can't forget that, especially when we're going through trials and sorrows. He says, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. You want to be renewed with life and you want to find joy again in the midst of the trials and the pain and the hardship. Remember and trust in God's love for you. And the psalmist, he says, listen, he's already forgiven all my sin and healed all my diseases. He redeems me from death. I've always said in my life, man, you know, Jesus has already done so much for me by dying on the cross for me. If, if Jesus never did another thing for me, that would be enough. But I'll tell you what, I have wrestled with that statement of my own. And I have to ask myself, is it enough, really? Is it enough that Jesus paid for my sins and went to the cross on my behalf and I can have the hope of eternal life? I'll be honest, sometimes it doesn't feel enough when your son's sick. And you're just begging God, could you just do this one other thing? I think of what David said in Psalm 105, remember the wonders that he has performed, his miracles and the rulings that he has given. I think of what he said in Psalm 143, I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I just want you to take a minute right now, just ponder. No no matter what the circumstances are right now, think back to some past circumstances. Because part of... of, um, Part of accepting the possibilities in the midst of our pain and sorrow and trials and hardships is is seeing how God worked in the past, that that he used those moments as possibilities, those moments where like, well, if that would have never happened, well, then this would have never happened. This is how we reflect on, remember, trust in the love of God to, to see his track record in the past because even in the present when we can't see him or feel him sometimes, That's when we got to remember and trust his love. Psalm 136, verse 1, David says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. If we're going to find joy in the midst of trials and hardship, we'll only have joy when we trust that God loves us still. And the Apostle Paul, he knew of God's love. Look what he wrote in Romans chapter 8. Can anything, he says, ever separate us from Christ's love? Look at what he says next. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble and calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Because this is, you guys, this is where it gets real for us. When we start to face some of these things, this is when we start to question, isn't it? So Paul's asking a question that he's already answering. He says, "For as the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no. There's the answer to the questions. Can, everything, can anything ever separate us from the love of God? He says, no. Say it with me, no. 
despite all these things, these real things, he says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And then he says, and I am convinced that nothing, say nothing. I'm convinced that nothing, Paul says, can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, life, angels, demons, fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above in the earth, below. Indeed, nothing. Say nothing. You guys, I need to hear this. You need to hear this. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We got to hold on to this, church. We got to hold on to this with everything that we got. Because there's going to be moments in your life, moments in my life, where it doesn't feel like God loves you. But he already showed the extent of that love. When I'm worried about my son, I need to remember Jesus sacrificed his own son. And he didn't just do that for me. He did that for you. And nothing, nothing can separate you from the love that God has for you. Would you pray with me?